0: recording. All right, we're in Colossians chapter 3. We're going to be uh, studying verses 12 through uh, 17 today, and we'll start by reading the passage again in Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. Therefore, as God uh, God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Um, psalms hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart to god and whatever you do whether in word or deed do it all in the name of the lord jesus giving thanks to god the father through him all right we'll save the rest of that for hopefully maybe the next time but you know it's kind of interesting notice that every social group you've ever noticed every social group has problems uh and, and the church is no exception to that. There's always friction that happens. And so just as Paul has been talking about earlier in verses uh eight through ten, he says to put off now we're gonna be putting on garments and specifically he's got some things for us to do. But it's interesting as we start to look at this, we start off by talking about uh the fact that we are the elect or chosen of God. But some of the uh, translations have uh, have it as elect there in verse 12. But therefore, as God's chosen or elect people, holy and dearly loved, um, he wants you to clothe yourself with all of these various attributes, all these virtues. It is kind of interesting. And we talked about this. We touched on this last Thursday about, uh, you know, what comes first, uh, election and choosing and, you know, all of those those struggles that we have in trying to figure this out. And I was uh last night as I was looking over my notes and getting ready to talk to you guys today, uh I was reminded again of um uh Romans chapter eight uh, verses um, uh, verses twenty-eight and following where it says that if you want to turn there you're more than welcome to Romans eight verse twenty-eight and following and we know that all things, uh, that that in God, uh, that all things God works for the good of those who love him, to those who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestinated to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestinated, he also called, and those he called, he also justified, and those he justified, he also glorified what then shall we say in response to this? If God uh, is for us, who can be against us? And he goes on to talk a little more about that. But I thought it was interesting that he lays out, you know, we tend to think of things linearly. So we see here that God, uh, you know, we see here that God foreknew and then he, he elects. And then he predestinates and then he justifies or he calls and then he justifies and he also glorifies. And and there is a sense to which that is a a linear, but there's also a sense to which it's more cylindrical in its approach. Because remember, God is not necessarily a linear thinker. He can do that, but he exists outside of time and time itself is linear. So the result is that being outside of time when does he know when does he choose when does he call when does he it's all (laughs) in his his mind it's all eternally now there is no so this argument about well what comes first and do we get to choose or don't we get to choose i I don't know how it works because i'm not i don't exist outside of time i know that god does I know that it appears that God gives us free will, but it also appears that he also chooses somehow or other. Maybe it's because he foreknows. I don't know. We can make an argument in a lot of different ways about this. But the thing is that we are chosen by God. We are his elect. Now, some scholars have said that this is the secret of Christianity and that it's not something that that should be necessarily shared with those who are nonbelievers. believers. Why? Well, because then they're going to have the same questions that we have. What's the most important thing for for a non-believer? Should it be whether or not they're chosen by God, or should it be that they choose to become servants of God? Ladder. What's that? The latter. The latter, yeah, yeah. The latter is much more important. So our job is simply to share the gospel, the good news. Jesus Christ died for sinners he paid our penalty. He rose from the dead, and that, as a result of that, he pro- he provides for us eternal life. So we're chosen by God. That's the, the the thing that's important. We're also said that we are told to be holy. What's a, a bet? What's another way of describing holy? Not apart. Set apart. Okay. Yeah. Anything else? Righteous. Righteous. Good.
1: Mature, hey. I guess. Mature. I'm sorry? mature
0: mature okay yeah so we're other that you know god is other and god's otherness is his holiness and and he tells us that he wants us to be holy like him uh it's set apart is a great definition of of this and all of these others work well so this sacred secret that we have comes as a result of god choosing us and he then um uh, calls us to be holy, uh, and then he says uh, in verse uh, twelve as well, he says to uh, that we're dearly loved and clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Well, my goodness,
2: that's a mouthful. Hey, Sorry. Question. Yeah. Not not to send us down a rabbit hole, but uh, sure. if you read John three sixteen, where it says explicitly. So everyone who believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That makes it seem like a decision man or not. He doesn't say anything. This is Jesus talking. And he doesn't talk about God choosing you because whoever chooses him Mm -hmm. shall not perish, but have eternal life.
0: And so if you take that and disregard some of the other passages, because there are other passages that see that he says he chose us. So is it possible that because he foreknew that he chose, is it possible that he chose because he foreknew? I, I don't know. <laughs> you know
3: the uh, way I look at it. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, you have a train. You get on the train. He foreknows the beginning and the end. He's praying and hoping that we get on the train of salvation. If we don't get on the train, we don't get on the train. And to me, he knows the beginning and the end, for he foreknows. He predestinated. Um, this, this is my theology background. So best. either you get on the train or you don't. You have to make that choice. Well, Dan, I think there's he's not respect a person predestinating a and in the just the Bible knowing. in the Old Testament and in the New Testament uh, six different times in the Old and four in the New that he's not a respecter person. So he he can't predestinate in the way uh, terminology you might be using it today, we still have to make the choice. That's what John 3.16 is all about.
0: Yeah, I think, again, this is one of those things that seems to be a parallel uh, thought process that goes through scripture. We have a choice and God also chooses. How that works out in what order, remember, we have a God who exists outside of time. We exist in time to try to figure out how that works in his economy and in his existence. It's beyond my capability. Here's what I do know. In Deuteronomy 7, starting in verse 7 and going through verse 8, this is Deuteronomy 7. It says, the Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people. For you were the fewest of all people, but because the Lord loved you, the lord brought you out of egypt with a mighty hand god chooses to love people now perhaps because they choose to love him i don't know again we could go on and on and on and we could never come to a full understanding of this this is one of those things that's going to baffle us and it depends on what side of the equation you're on for the protestants it's either you're either a, a Calvinist or a, an Arminian or you're uh, many Baptists are middle of the road. Not all Baptists. Some Baptists are one way or the other. I, I tend to take a more middle of the road approach and say both are true. I don't understand it. And again, perhaps it's the, the way one uh, old preacher used to describe it. When, you, when we enter the gates of heaven, it says whosoever will. When you get inside the gates of heaven and you look back at the gate, it says on the back side of it, welcome my my elect, my beloved. I, maybe that's it. I don't know. Maybe it's as simple as that. Tozer talked about the fact <coughs> that the will of God is that we're all on the same boat. We're all going to a destination of, of eternity at some point. But some of us can choose what part of the passage to enjoy, whether we're going to be on the upper deck or the lower yeah. deck. You know, we all we all exist forever. The question is, where do we exist?
1: Yeah, that's the difference between what eternal life is. If you read in John seventeen, it talks about to know the Father. That's what eternal life is. It's not being living forever. It's yeah, to know. Yeah, we're going
0: to live forever. Regardless. Everybody's going to live
1: forever. Right?
0: There's some of us going to live in punishment, and some of us going to live in glory. I'm going to tell you, I know where I want to choose. You know,
1: just like one guy I'm... told me, he says, "I don't want out." I don't, you know, he said, if you're saved or once saved or always saved this, or he says, I don't care. He says, I just don't want out.
0: There you go. <laughs> there you go.
3: Good way to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yep.
0: So we're told uh, in, in Colossians three twelve it says to put on tender mercies um, in one translation in, in the, uh I think it's in the King James, and maybe one of you has it. I think it says "bowels of compassion."
1: Yeah, bowels <laughs> of mercy.
0: Okay, bowels of mercy. Uh, in uh, in the Greek, uh, in the Greek thought process, people located their deepest emotions not in the heart, but in 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 the intestinal area. And so, therefore, a, a, an actual translation would be bowels of mercy would be a, a, an actual translation. Um, we've run into this where, where uh, missionaries have tried to translate into scripture, uh, into different parts of the world where they don't understand the idea of the heart and the emotions are in the heart. Uh, and so, as a result of that, uh, they translate different ways. I, I knew a uh, when I was growing up, we had a missionary that was uh, at our, ch- that our church uh, supported that was in Africa. And for them, it was the stomach was the seat of emotions. And so they, they, when they translated the scripture into that native tongue, they talked about that, that it was a stomach of mercy or the stomach of compassion um, because that's how they understood it. Um, and, and so, you know, we've, we've kind of gone beyond that we like heart a whole lot better than intestines you know i love you with my all of my intestines wouldn't that be a great way of describing can you imagine going up to your your significant other and saying honey i love you with all of my intestines and you think that'd go over well probably not today. Hey, well,
1: it's 22 feet long so you'd be pretty well
0: yeah you could wrap her up pretty well yeah, that's good yeah so we're we're told to have tender mercies. We're told to to love people. Uh, and, and okay, so let's look at the list here. So um, we're show, we're told. Uh, let's see here. I got my notes here. We're told to put on kindness. Uh, kindness is something that God says that He expresses to us in Ephesians 2:17. Uh, it says, "In order that." In the coming ages, he might show incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Uh, Titus 3, 4 says that when the kindness and love of God of our Savior appeared. So there is a we're also told in Ephesians 4, 32, to be kind to one another. Oh, boy, that's easy. Easier said than done sometimes, isn't it? And every once in a while, don't you want to just enjoy slipping the knife in and just twisting just a bit? Okay, I know. I'm the only one that does that. George and I are the only two, actually, because George is laughing. So he probably George, George is George is always flipping the knife in
2: there though. That's right. I
0: used to do <laughs> He used to do that a lot, didn't he? That's right. <laughs> I, I'm reminded of the story of David and uh, one of the the last remaining family members of Saul it was i believe he was a, 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 actually a, the son of jonathan he mephibosheth. Was a mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. Yeah, mephibosheth 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 in second samuel 9 and david had a desire to show kindness the kindness of god to saul's family because of his own love for saul's son jonathan so he he could have Easily condemned uh, Mephib- Mephib- Mephibosheth, <laughs> uh, and and because of all of the things that happened within the family, but but David didn't. David sought him out, told him not to be afraid, said, "Hey, I want you to come and sit at my table and partake just like a family member." That's pretty wild. How many of us have done that? Eh, I won't ask for a show of hands. <clears throat> We're also told to put on humbleness of mind. You know, in the in the pagan world, in the world of the first century, people did not admire humility. They, they admired pride. They admired domination. They am, admired all of the things. In fact, it sounds an awful lot like today, don't we? Doesn't it?
2: Yeah. What's yeah, changed?
0: Yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much nothing. Right. And yet,
2: so,
0: go ahead.
3: Wasn't it always a sign of weakness? Yeah.
0: And the problem is that we, we we're told that Jesus has the is probably the premier example of the humbleness of mind that he had. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient even to death on a cross. That's second rough translation a rough quotation of philippians 2 part of it humility is not thinking poorly of yourself rather it's having a an appropriate estimation of yourself uh in the will of god i know exactly what god thinks of me (laughs) And I know how disappointed God is with me on a regular basis. I know that I am, that my righteousness is nothing more than filthy rags as far as he's concerned. But he looks at me through the eyes of, uh, through the blood of Christ and he sees me as righteous. And I love the fact that He is willing to love me that much. But I have to understand exactly who I am. And the problem so often today is, as Christians, we have treated the world as though we're better than them, as though we have attained and they haven't. And there is a sense to which we have attained something, but not because of anything we've done.
4: Yeah.
0: Right. And, and yeah. that's the struggle. We forget that we're <clears throat> as bad as they are it's only because of the grace of God and our acceptance of Christ that we're not any worse so a person who's humble of mind thinks of others first and not himself and that's another hard thing to do I have to admit it was really tough at times when, I, when, when the kids were here at the house to come home from work have had a frustrating day for one reason or another, because they had clients that weren't co- cooperating or wouldn't, wouldn't place the order or wouldn't pay when they needed to, or suppliers that wouldn't get the product out when they needed to get out in a timely fashion. And I'm pulling my hair out and I come home and you know what, I don't want to deal with the kids. My wife's had them all day, she's ready for a break. And the first thing I wanna do is just go off and be by myself. Because I'm more concerned about myself than I am about her and about them huh. i had to, I had to seek forgiveness a lot of times for that now today is a little easier because well, you know no business you don't have to worry about it right <laughs>
3: <laughs> God
0: has a God has an incredible sense of humor, doesn't he <laughs> He does. Told, yeah, he does. Yeah, and, and he always points it out to me. And oh well. So he says. And in, in next he says, talk, says, put on meekness. Meekness is not weakness. It's it's being. It's like power under control. Yeah. Uh, this word is used to describe a, a soothing wind, or a healing medicine, or a cult that has been broken.
1: Talk about Moses being the meekest man on the earth.
0: Yeah, that's good. Thank you for thinking of that. I I had forgotten that, but you're right. A meek person is someone who doesn't fly off the handle because he has everything under control. By the way, there was at least one time when Moses wasn't all that (laughs) meek. He smote the rock, right? When he was told to speak to it. Yeah.
1: He couldn't live under the law either,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. He had a hard time doing it too. That's right. That's right. And yet, it's or when a he killed the Egyptian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was, I think he might, I think some of that meekness might have been beat into him by that hot desert sun after that, when he was out tending the sheep. That's just yeah. a thought, I don't know.
1: Well, I think because, a big thing I remember about that, I said, I always loved the line, thing that Moses said, the children knew the acts of Moses, uh, acts of God, but Moses knew his ways. I think that's what he found ooh, in that 40-year yeah. experience he found out God's ways. He, big difference.
0: Well, spending 40 days up in the mountain uh, talking with God, too, probably had a lot to do with that.
1: I'm sure it did. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I think to myself, if I spent 40 days with God, what would I – how would my countenance change? You know?
1: I'd be mean, more like Job. He'd be telling me, "What? why do you think you <laughs> – yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> He'd be going – Hey, Val, you got some splaining to do, buddy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so a, a meek person is somebody who doesn't fly off the handle, who has, who has control of themselves. Now, that control often it, it comes with the power of the Holy Spirit, by the way. If I try to do it on myself, there reaches a point where my control is at an end. Yeah, you know, I can remember telling my wife, telling me, reminding me, I needed to be in. I needed to be in control when I talked to my daughter about something back when she was in, I guess, junior high, maybe something like that. And I, I was, I tried to be, I was in control to the finally the point I, and she just wasn't getting it. It wasn't. Yeah, no, it was a little longer than that, but it was. I finally looked at my wife. and said, "Can I lose it now?" <laughs> Because she's just not getting it, when or at least she's not willing to admit that she's getting it, you know? And uh, is like, oh, oh, boy. So, and that comes back into this next one, which is long-suffering. The literal way of translating that from the Greek would be long-tempered. A short-tempered person speaks and acts impulsively, lacks self-control, but a person who is long-suffering can put up with provoking people or circumstances without retaliating. I'm not sure if that includes not thinking about it or not, because I think that's allowed. That's just a side note on my part. I think about retaliation, you know. No, you're not supposed to do that either. But anyhow, regardless, the fact is so often, uh, is it okay to be angry? Can you get angry? Is it? Is it? You can't. Yeah, you can. It, it's not wrong to get angry, but it's wrong to get angry quickly at the wrong things or for the wrong reasons. <coughs> you can be angry and and still be holy.
4: Well, it's the response of that anger. I'm sorry. It's the response to that anger.
0: Well, I think it's it's our response to what's going on around us. Are we are we angry because God's laws and and things have been broken or are we, are we angry? And it's our response to something that they've done. And so we fly off the handle, but that's kind of, you know, the whole idea of being long suffering.
5: So like you know, like he out. said, though, well, he said, you know, it's our response to it. So when that, when that trigger hits, it, you have to slow it down. You have a choice, you, you know, you want to punch somebody in the face or, or can you try to, try to deep, Breathe deeply and uh, listen to the Holy Spirit. Maybe
0: out to ten, or a hundred, or maybe even a thousand.
3: But everyone's hit with that trigger. It's what you, what you did, which how do you, how you respond, right?
0: Yep, yep. Which goes back to the next portion of uh, in in thirteen in verse thirteen, where it says that we're talking about being uh, forbearance or or to hold back, to hold up. It, it says that uh, God is. Um, uh, let's see, bear with one another. Uh, that's that forbearance idea, uh, to hold back. Uh, God is forbearing towards sinners in in the fact that He holds back His judgment. Uh, in Romans, we we see this. In Romans two four, it says, "Or do you uh, show contempt for the riches of His kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing?" that God's kindness leads us to uh, toward repentance. There was a, a, a group, uh, it was a contemporary Christian group back in the 80s, maybe 90s, I think it was called Truth. They had a song that I used to just absolutely adore because it said this, it's your kindness that leads us to repentance, O Lord, which is taking from this passage out of Romans 2 and i thought to myself you know what it isn't god's anger that brings me to repentance it isn't god's chastisement it's his kindness now chastisement comes as part of his kindness i understand that but it's his kindness that leads us to repentance how often would people be more willing to repent if we showed a modicum of kindness in romans three twenty five 25 it says god go ahead someone's gonna say something
4: no. I don't think it'd be any different.
0: <laughs> God 320 in Romans 325 it says God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. Remember that God, what God does in, in all throughout the old Testament, that, Sin of atonement, that, that sin of, uh, you know, that, that sacrifice of atonement this comes up. He tells us we have to do what? Forgive. Great, great. Just what I want to do, right? I want to forgive. <clears throat> it's not enough that Christians must do in grief and provocation and refuse to retaliate. We're also told to forgive the troublemaker.
5: Huh.
0: By the way, that means you don't carry a grudge. Yeah.
4: yeah the world right. would be a bad place, wouldn't
0: it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it sure would. And you, you know how you, you, one of the ways that I've always been able to tell how my forgiveness meter is working is whether or not my blood pressure goes up when I start thinking about certain things. You know, when I start to get angry or start to get upset about things, when my blood pressure goes up because of something that I remember in the past, I I know pretty well that my my forgiveness meter is is broken and it's pegging the wrong way.
3: Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs>
4: I think yeah, uh, I think grudges are too heavy to carry. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, it's it's hard it's hard sometimes to get over them
5: well I can't talk about it It's, it's
1: the if you carry that inside you as opposed to forgiving someone it's like you're the one that actually is hurt by not forgiving
0: Yeah, but it's so hard for a person who's been hurt deeply to understand that they have to give up that hurt you know we struggle with that we struggle with thinking that that is our identity you know and without that why, you know, they're, if we forgive them, then they're, they're not punished.
4: But that's not true. And it's definitely harder to do it in the long term. If You carry that grudge a long time. It's, it wears into you.
0: Yeah, it does. What grudge happens when you give up the grudge? What happens when you give, when you actually forgive someone? What happens to you mentally, emotionally, and maybe even physically? You're free.
1: Yeah. You're not yeah. bound anymore.
0: It's almost like a weight's been lifted off of you, you know.
4: Unless you place one bridge with another,
0: well, it could be too. <laughs> I can remember as a <sighs> when I played basketball, I would uh, sometimes I'd practice with weights on my ankles. yeah, you know, smart. And and then uh, when I'd take them off i felt like i could just fly i could jump higher i could run faster i could i could stop on a dime quicker i could maneuver i could pivot you know all those things but it all started with putting with having weights and those weights are like things you've not you've not gotten rid of you take them off and suddenly man i feel free i feel good i was never my jordan but
5: and sorry? his, the pain that he's going through right now.
0: I'm sorry. Say that again, Dave.
5: Can you hear me? Yeah,
0: I yeah. hear you. But say I it say again. I think
5: of Jim and the pain, that physical pain. Mm. Think of him getting relief from you. that pain. Physical. Okay. I'm back. So okay. think of Jim and the physical pain that he's going through right now. He can't do that without some kind of pain medication, some kind of pain relief. I think it's the same thing with our emotional pain, right? We talk about the pain that we're going through. We can't just take care of that on our own many, many, many times. We need some type of pain medication, pain relief. Um, It's there in scripture. It's there in, in the body and the love of Christ, but... Uh, it's still not something that we can just go out there and grab and take it like an aspirin and relieve that emotional pain that 's why I think it's so hard to you know get just drop these grudges, drop this judgment this you know that we that we carry with us it's it's not easy you're right it's not.
0: For, for me on some of the things that I've that the, the grudges that I or the the things that hurt the most that I had to forgive I had to come to the point of accepting the fact that that God would would deal with it in his way and I had to trust that he was he was capable of doing it better than I could yeah which also meant that there were going to be times when he wouldn't do it the way that I would want it done right. And there were ways that there were times when it seemed like that the guy or the person got away with it. And I just had to remember that at the end, it was all going to be dealt with one way or another. Yeah. You know, they either sought forgiveness themselves and and made it right with God. Um, It's interesting. Isn't it interesting how Matthew 5 and Matthew 18 rarely come to play? When it comes to seeking forgiveness or giving forgiveness, granting forgiveness in others, we're supposed to leave stuff at the altar regardless of whether we're the ones that have been harmed or we're the ones that harmed and go and make it right. Then come back and deal with our gifts.
2: What, what did you refer to Val? Well? Matthew 5 what Matthew
0: verse? 18 in in one of them it says if you if you have ought against a brother if you have if there's something a brother has done to offend you you're just to leave your offering and go and make it right then come back and give your offering and the other one I think in Matthew 18 the other the other side of the equation happens if you realize that your brother has ought against you you're to to leave your sacrifice go and make it right with him then come back so in either case, it doesn't matter who did the wrong. If you did the wrong, you're supposed to go take care of it. If they did the wrong, you're still supposed to go and take care of it. Because if you do it right, then both of you are going to, to deal with it. You know, so often we think that it's only a matter of one that, side. What was that?
4: When you say if, if, When you say if you both do it, then you're going to get it right. That means if you're both believers.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, now, I mean now. Now the other thing is though, if if someone has wronged you, um, there are times when I think it's appropriate, even if they're a non-believer, to say I forgive you. Of course.
4: Well, yeah, I understand that.
0: <laughs> okay, I'm just trying to <laughs> make we sure it we. He's got this Some long list like of people nice that, he's, that he's not forgiven because they're all non believers, you know, which is. <laughs> no.
1: no. He oh, just throws that list away.
5: Go email,
1: for it. it, Keith.
4: I appreciate everyone's humor at that, but it's hard.
5: I mean, look at the con in the context of uh, this political climate we're in right now where <laughs> we have um, believers or so called believers that um, we're in such a. Difference with
4: are oh, the yeah. believers Democratic or Republican? <laughs> yeah, right, Edwin. Is that what you were laughing at? Right. <laughs> it's yeah, amazing it's, how uh, they all think that everything's just so cut and dry. Well, I know
0: it isn't. That, that and that's the issue. Is that you know the problem is that we all come to whatever the event is with a certain set of, of, of perspectives, with a certain set of lenses. Yeah, and. What we need to do is ask God to provide us with his lenses to mm-hmm. see what's going on versus to come with just our own perception we might learn we might learn something
4: so how many of us pray before we vote I do we, I do like. Yeah, I mean, we pray before we understand, or
0: no, I, I pray before you guys vote. I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, you, you yeah. just want the.
4: Yeah, outcome. I can
0: remember. I can remember having. Um, you, you know, I was I pat, I was pastoring when. Um, when President Obama came into office, I was pastoring out in, in, in St in the St Louis area, and we had a a large contingent of military in our church. And there were people that were just absolutely, absolutely coming unglued. That were military people, uh, and I said to him, "I said, you do realize you're supposed to pray for him, and you pray for his his health and for his safety, and that, that he's that he will follow God's leading." And we had we had we had a, we had a me- I had a message on that because he was our elected official, you know, and it says, you know, it isn't like God stepped out It, it in, in 16. It isn't like God stepped out and came back and go, Oh, I can't believe what did you guys do? How could you elect this, this person?
2: It, it sounds like we have a, uh... A good message series coming up at Kensington in October on this. Yep. Uh, yeah, we had a did. little preview the other night at the uh, meeting. So I think they're gonna talk about the Christian perspective on our differences. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: There is a huge you know, the problem the problem so often is that that both parties have taken aspects of Christianity and claimed it as their own.
4: Skewed to their view
0: sure yeah and versus you know and so the problem the problem is that you know we we feel strongly about one area or another area and that's what leads us towards one party or another party and I think that we need to start start and I'm you know I'm stepping way out of bounds here I think we need to start saying you know God what is it let us see with your eyes and let us vote the way that we need to vote based upon what you want us to do. Versus upon well, what the media... Well, if,
3: is we, if, you, if you look at the, uh
1: you know, especially the Old Testament of the Bible, there's many, many terrible uh, leaders, and he put them there for a reason, yeah. apparently. Yeah,
0: that's, <laughs> the, the issue is still, comes back to at the end of the day, is that God's in control. So, I, you know, I used to, I, I walked the way i left the church one of the very first churches i I actually was on staff at uh because of some issues with the senior pastor and and him doing some things i thought were absolutely wrong uh biblically and uh, i chose to i was uh, i'd been hired as an assistant became an associate pastor left and, and thought to myself, you know, what in the what I have no idea why God kept him in place in that church. And I had to realize that, and I came to realize as I studied and thought about it and prayed about it that God chose this man to lead that church. And if God didn't want him there, it wasn't like God couldn't remove him. Mm-hmm.
3: That, that was just, you know, it, God
0: could. It isn't like God's oh no, somebody somebody's the, the governor or somebody's the president or somebody is the the, the pastor of a church. Ha huh? what are we gonna do now? God's never like God never goes, oh no, what in the world what are we gonna do now? Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, so I I think that we need to realize that God's in control and we need to we need to take, you know, in America we have the right to vote. And hopefully that'll continue that way. You know, and hopefully we we won't be like some of the other, com- some of the communist countries that are around.
2: Or like, uh, yeah. like you're saying, Val, in, in a lot of churches, the one you were in, you had right to vote on who the lead pastor was. It was,
5: sure.
2: he yeah. was just there. Right. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> well, he was there. Uh, he had, he had, uh, you know, He had his people in position, and, you know, it was just a – sometimes there's politics involved in churches too, you know, unfortunately.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, a lot of churches, they assign the lead pastor to your church. Right. Right,
0: Right. correct. In this particular instance, the church voted him in, and the church could vote him out at at some point. Or God could simply remove him some other way.
3: He could have gotten (laughs) an offer from him away.
0: (laughs) Well, you know,
4: but Dale, um, those, poli- those politics you speak of in the church yeah. are there for a purpose.
0: Yeah, yeah. sometimes it's called. There was a
4: hesitant yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's called sin. <laughs> I,
1: always think, I always think about that. Scripture says God established the throne in righteousness. The other thing that's interesting: God has a certain character, and yet we're born in this permissive will. Yeah. You know, God permits things, but that's his permissible. That's not his ultimate will. He's trying to bring it back
3: to his right. his, his perfect oh, nature.
4: Here comes it back. also
3: says that whoever's in charge is a reflection of the people. Ooh, true. Mm-hmm. It's Old Testament.
0: Ro- Romans mm-hmm. tells us to pray for those in government. They're there right. for a purpose.
1: I remember listening to the guy, Rabbi, uh, what was his name? Rabbi Zacharias. Right. He was talking about, he says, when it came to the elections, he didn't look at he looked he tried to find the person that had the closest to his beliefs, mm-hmm. and if he couldn't find that, the next thing he would try to find the most moral character one, because if they're a moral more of a moral character, we can live in peace, which was an interesting con. I you know I thought wow that's pretty good. <laughs>
0: So let me just tell you what the last one here of the, of those of those uh, um, virtues is. It's it's put on love. Yeah, it's the most important virtue. It's the the one that ties all of the other virtues together. It, it, it's the one that is the first of the fruit of the spirit. It, it's the other virtues follow as a result of it. If we were more loving to people that disagreed with us, but were believers or even non-believers, but especially believers. How would that change the way our church was, the way our our denominations were, our movements? What would happen if we tr- treated each other with love? You know, Ephesians one of my favorite passages in Ephesians is, uh, oh, and of course and I can't remember because it's my favorite. One of my favorite passages.
5: Um,
0: it talks about um, in verse fifteen of, of chapter four of Ephesians. It says to speak the truth in love. And uh, Warren Weersby, who has now long since gone to be with the Lord, unfortunately, he was a great Bible teacher back in his day. He used to say that truth without love is brutality and love without truth is hypocrisy. Mm. We're, we're told to be truthful and to be loving all at all the right. same time. And so often when we're truthful, we're not loving. We use the truth like a club. And sometimes when we're loving, we're so loving that we never get around to telling people the truth. So God tells us to love each other and to do so, to realize that they're going to be here. They're going to disagree with us. That's okay. I've told you before, when you get to heaven, you'll find out that I'm right and you're not. I mean, that's okay. (laughs) Sure. You're going to find out that I got most of my theology probably wrong, too, as well. Yeah, yeah. But in the meantime, this is your best choice. Mm-hmm. in the meantime, we're told that these graces here, these things we're told to put on are very similar to the, 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 spirit, of the spirit found in Galatians 5. It's amazing how much it is, how, how similar they are, just in a little different order. All right, how are we doing here? Well, we didn't get to where I was headed to.
3: All right, in the right direction.
0: We're headed there, we're headed. We are going in the right
3: direction. Wow. We're
0: getting there, we're making progress.
3: I think one of my
1: favorite verses, Val, it is about love, is that love covers a multitude.
5: Yep. So with love, everything else can be made
1: clean again. Mm, the truth. And mercy and truth purges iniquity, which is twisting of the thought process.
0: Mm, That's good, too. I'll let you guys do this instead of me.
1: No, you know more than we do. No,
0: that's that's the worst thing you could tell me. That means I I stand in judgment more than you do.
1: We got i thought you had that seat next to Jesus or something that's
0: what i am Well, you know, i am i am the uh the the what do they call it? the alternative, the al- the alternate for the for the next vacancy in the trinity. That's true, yeah. I'm on that I'm on that very long list. I'm the 1 millionth uh, you know, i'm number 1 million in something, you know, uh, you know, so when they finally get there, i'll be there.
1: I heard one guy say one time that if you pass away, how do we not know that all those people, whenever whatever you pass away in time, you don't end up, end up in eternity at the same time.
0: Well, since there you go. it's all eternally now, yeah. We're...
1: Right. So <laughs> the guy dies in 1200 and you die in 2050. You both get there at the same time.
0: Interesting. I'm looking forward to me. There's, there's, there are a few people I'd like to meet while I'm up there.
1: Is he older than you? Is he older than you? Noah <laughs> well,
0: Methuselah was, at least on Earth. Right. Pretty sure Noah was, too. I know a guy. All right. So let's do this. Let's make sure that we love one another, even in the midst of this season of politics. We're, we're called to love one another. We're called to support one another. We Vote your conscience. But remember, God... God's in control. Sometimes we get exactly what we deserve. Sometimes we get exactly what we need. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, they don't.
1: Yeah, you guys have a great holiday
5: weekend. I got to go. All right. You, take you, care. you guys take I'll care. You guys God bless.
1: You. Yeah. Bye, Daryl. All
0: right. We'll see you.